0: Well, we thought we were getting through this COVID thing, didn't we? I had so much confidence this week that uh, we were going to have 180 people in here and it was going to be uh, getting back to having more and more people. And I emailed everyone on Wednesday and you would have received that email with joy and gone, yes, no more sign in. It was going to be fantastic. Uh, we don't have to use Eventbrite anymore. This is going to be back to what we were. And then I look around and I see five of us here today. Um, we're becoming a little bit more adjusted to, to pivoting in quick time though, aren't we? And this morning, I want to say thanks to, uh, firstly, Josh and Josh, who have set things up for us to go again online. Um, They've moved really quickly to help us do this behind the scenes, and a big thanks to them. But also for Alan for leading us. It's his first time worship leading here at church, and he's got to do it to an empty church. But what a great job he was able to do. And and for for Mel, who stepped in this morning um, to, to sing as well. Thanks, to all those guys who brought the worship to us. It's a blessing that we can keep worshipping and distance, physical, isn't going to stop our worship. So wherever you are this morning, I trust that you're able to worship in song and that as we uh, focus on the Word of God this morning, that you can engage in a way that causes you to consider the importance of the connections that we can make. Um, not just the, the wider church connections, but deepening our connections, our relationships with a smaller group of people, to encourage one another and build one another up, as Thessalonians 5:11 tells us to do. So, as we be, we be, we be, yeah, excuse me, as we began our new series last week, looking at the numbers 72, 12, and 3. We heard last week of Jesus' call to this wider net of people who are following him, to to go out in faith, to be obedient, was more important than the result. The results came, but the obedience was important. The 72, they returned from their obedience of going, uh, buzzing with their experiences and in themselves they grew in their own following of Jesus. Today we're going to come in a little bit on those concentric circles on the 12 as a focus of the 12. The disciples, they were the ones that were called out of obscurity and into this new life, new way of living, this following, this learning, sometimes making a bit of a mess of it all and beginning in the end what we now know as the church. So we're going to hear about this small group that changed the world. When I uh, when I first started going to church, I was invited to a small group. <clears throat> we met at a, a friend's house, and because I didn't feel that I had a whole lot of insight to deliver in that situation, I often sat with my sort of Bible, head in the Bible, and just sort of hoped that I'd slip into the background a little bit, uh, having to say nothing at all. And most of the times, that was the case. I think the leaders were very uh, uh, gracious towards me, but every now and again, I'd be asked about something that we were talking about, after telling tell me what I felt um, or read something from Scripture. Now, I learned uh, from those early days of my faith. And, and as I look back, I, I can't remember specific conversations. I can't remember all the things that we were talking about. But those times in a small house in Dingley were massively influential in my faith development. And it wasn't just the fact that the, the Bible was taught to me really eloquently. It probably was. But it was having other people sort of my age and uh, my sort of stage of life exploring how to make things we were learning become lived out behaviours in school or at the footy club or when we went out as mates or when we were at parties. All of these things were lessons in living a life worthy of Christ and we did that together. I can categorically say that if I tried to do this Christian walk on my own back then... I wouldn't be here speaking to you today. I did quiet times as I got taught. I'd do that alone. I'd try and pray as much as I could. I was even passionate about sharing my faith, and I feel sorry for my mate Richard, who uh, in year 12 especially got to hear all about my faith probably day after day. But if I didn't have that small community, plus the larger worshiping community of the church at Dingley Union Church where I became a Christian, I dare say that the drawback to the footy crowd and the community, the striving for success in my own life, in my footy uh, career, all that sort of thing, may have been too great for me to do on my own. Yet God set me up with a structure, a smaller group structure from my very starting point in faith. And for most of my faith life, I've been part of of a small group. So I can't speak highly enough of being part of what we call connect groups here at KSBC. And if you've never been in one, I highly recommend that you explore what it looks like for you to be in one. We've got plenty here at the church, but we'd also love to have more and see more people engaged in small groups. But I also know that adding another thing to the already already crowded life isn't what you want to hear this morning. In fact, it was only three weeks ago I was asking you to get into a rhythm of faith, not to be too busy that you'll miss out on your faith or that your faith gets involved, uh, engulfed into this busyness. You know, these snap lockdowns actually sometimes can be a circuit breaker to making sure that the the busy parts of life that creeps in is, is stopped for a few days. Solari and I, we were lucky enough to go on a date last uh, yesterday. Um, we went uh, on, a, on a trip out. Um, I know you're not allowed to, but we were because we went and got our COVID vaccinations. A great way to spend a date afternoon. Uh, very romantic. But it allowed us to slow down and go for a drive together um, and just to be together. Um, we had the needle stuck in our arms and it's hurting now. But apart from that, it was fantastic. <laughs> but today I want to challenge you that regardless of the stage of life or faith journey that you're in, to seek Be a part of a group because, as we will see through the scripture, Jesus called out the few from the many. He took the disciples away from the crowd, he brought them into a more intimate community where he was to walk with them, he would teach them, he would help them to prepare for the ministry that was to come. Something I'm sure that when the disciples, the first 12 came to him, probably weren't ready for or um, thought they'd have to do. It was something that Jesus couldn't do with the bigger 72 or even the crowd. So we, more than ever, especially in this COVID-hit society, we need to move away from the the crowd experiences as being the, the basis for our own spiritual growth and move into this intimate community where a smaller group of people gather together, learn together, grow together. This was Jesus' strategy to see his vision of the kingdom of God throughout, um, grow throughout Jerusalem, Judea, all of Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. This is how Jesus saw it happening, through a smaller group of people. As we said last week, a disciple is a learner, is a follower, someone that emulates the ways of their leaders. These followers of Jesus were first called Christians in Antioch, and it says that in Acts 11 verse 26, and it denoted those who follow Christ. The word literally means adhering to or belonging to Christ. So the term Christian and disciple shouldn't be separated as such because the disciple is committed to and tries to follow and put into practice the teachings of the life and the lifestyle of the master that they follow, which is Jesus. So as Jesus calls these 12 to himself, we see that Jesus has a strategy for moving them from the crowd to this type of intimate community that would make disciples of Christ, not just followers. And like most of Jesus' strategy, it begins with prayer. Let me read from Mark 3, verse 13 to 14. It says this. Jesus went up on a mountainside and called to him those he wanted, and they came to him. He appointed 12 that they might be with him, and they, he might send them out to preach. Luke 6.12 is a little more elaborate in his description of what happened that night. In Luke 6, it says, One of these, those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. When morning came, he called the disciples to him and he chose 12 of them, whom he also designated apostles. See, Jesus, before calling disciples, he prayed all night. Much of the time we hear about Jesus, Jesus withdrawing to praise because something big is going to happen. We know that Jesus has some big plans for these small group of men. Something significant is happening in Jesus calling these men to himself. Even the fact that he called them apostles gives us insight into what Jesus considers the purpose of calling these men. The term apostle comes from the Greek word apostello, meaning to send. From the beginning, Jesus labels these ones as the sent ones, the ones who are to be trained up in Jesus' way to watch, to observe, to walk with him, to learn, and end up becoming the ones that are sent out as the hand and feet of Jesus, sent into the world to declare the message and to help it spread across the lands. Jesus couldn't do that into a massive crowd in the same way. Jesus, couldn't teach a, Jesus could teach a crowd. He could stand in front of it and teach. But he couldn't build that more intimate side-by-side relationship that was needed to be able to send them out into the world with a message that was going to change it. No wonder he needed to pray. He needed to pray about who he was going to call. The early chapters of Mark's gospel show us that Jesus had a big impact on the public. The people had never experienced anyone like him. But for his ministry to make even, an even bigger impact, a lasting impact, then Jesus had to overcome a major problem. He had to get his message to go past just the crowd that were standing in front of him. He had to make this message permanent. He had to make this message last. He knew that he was only there for a limited amount of time. How was he going to make this message go throughout the world? He had to find some way of disseminating this message, getting his message to the people who are not geographically near. In an age where there was no such thing as a printed book or a newspaper, no radio, no TV, no internet, no uh, Facebook, no Instagram, no Twitter, no ways of reaching beyond just the immediate that were in front of him. It was not going to be easy to get this message out. Jesus' solution was to take, a, prayerfully take a group of people from the crowd, from that bigger community, who would become his disciples, who had become his devoted followers. This was really significant. Jesus needed to pray. After a distinguished performing career, virtuoso violinist Jascha Heinzfaitz, don't know if that's right, but anyway, he accepted an appointment. He took uh, away from his career, he stepped away from his career and accepted an appointment as a professor of music at UCLA. When he asked what had prompted his change of career, heitz replied, Violin pa- playing is a perishable art. It must be passed on as a personal skill, otherwise it will be lost. Jesus chose 12 men to receive that hands-on instruction, that personal skill that he could train, that he could disciple, that would disciple others, that the message of Jesus would not be lost. Jesus had to pray. Jesus had to pray about who was coming on board as these 12 because they were so important. Jesus' strategy for for the developing 12 when they got together was, was, was different. He had a plan. Verses 14 and 15 of Mark chapter 3 tell us the plan that Jesus must bring to the table here. It says this, He appointed the twelve that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. So firstly, Jesus chooses the twelve that they might be with him. Jesus chose chose them that the influence that he had would rub off on them. At high school, I had a few friends, but there were two that we did everything together, Paulie and Glennie and myself. Um, And I'll i tell you what they call me, Petey, just to make it Paulie, Glennie and Petey. It's all sort of worked. It's a bit embarrassing now, but anyway, it was Petey. Anyway, we hung out at recess and lunch. We were at each other's houses after school. We were at each other's houses on the weekend. We hung around each other so much. We went surfing together. We did all this stuff together. We ended up talking like each other. We did the same things together. We dressed the same. It was all the same. It was this be with factor. Because being with someone on a daily basis brings us to be like them. It just happens. It's a natural flow. Paul in 1 Corinthians 11 verse 1 tells his readers to imitate me just as I imitate Christ. He says, become like me, follow me, be like me. Because Paul's hope is that in being like me, it's going to to lead you to be like Christ. They can see Paul's life, a life that he's living out of his conviction about who Christ is. For Paul, in Philippians, it says to live is Christ and to die is Cain. So live out that and you're going to be living like Christ. Jesus was bringing the twelve on so that they might be with him. This be with factor, that they might be like Christ as they walk with Christ. It's a personal challenge for us every day, isn't it? Are you being like Christ? Have you spent time with Christ this week? Have you heard from him through scripture? Have you spent time in prayer with him? Because as we are with Christ, we become Like Christ, and as we become like Christ, we live out Christ in our world. And as we gather in smaller, intimate communities, we become like those who are in that smaller, intimate communities that are also living like Christ. We rub shoulders with one another, we rub off on one another. Jesus, He chose us, His followers, to have influence over others. His plan is to change our lives, that we may change the lives of those who we encounter. That's the first part, the be with factor. The second part of Jesus' plan is that he might send them out to preach. Jesus wanted these these people to be his representatives. And we think, well, hang on, Pete, I'm pretty comfortable sitting at my home right now, feet up, slippers on, I can leave the preaching to you, Pete, that's fine. But the reality here is that not everyone wants to hear my voice. And the verse doesn't say um, that he might keep them comfortable and in the church to preach. Jesus isn't thinking 2,000 years down the track when uh, Kilsai South has got a great building and a, a nice PowerPoint image and got it all sorted out. No, we're told that Jesus will send them out. We saw him do this with the 72, the larger crowd last week. And before the 72 were sent out, the 12 were already sent out. He says, And Jesus gave them power and authority over all demons to cure diseases. He sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick, and given all authority to preach. That's in Luke 9. It was a chapter before we read last week. They might be this mix of people in this society, but Jesus wanted these men to be his representatives. In spite of their differences in temperament, in their background, their personality, these were the ones that Jesus wanted to tell others about him. They themselves have been brought to Jesus in order to win others. Fishers of men. The Greek word used in this verse translates as sent out. It's it's quite a violent word. It was used for sort of throwing out the rubbish, to, to thrust out. The idea being that Sometimes they might need a good old push to get them going. Sometimes this is what we need to to live out our faith in the community, isn't it? We just need a good old push. We might have the heart to, the want to, the longing to, but sometimes we just need the kick and the push to do it. In my late teens, uh, I did my first Youth Dimension coffee shop. One thing that nearly stopped me from attending coffee shop altogether was a rumor that I heard that through the compulsory training that you had to do, you got sent to Eastland to share your faith to random people with strangers. And as a young Christian, this was almost too much for me. I was determined to be sick that day, to pull a hammy, to fall in a hole, whatever I could do to not have to do this, but I still wanted to go on coffee shop. Of course, I was being a little over dramatic, but I ended up going, and I I don't think I've ever prayed as much as I did from that journey from Warrandyke to Eastland. And as I ended up getting my food and asking to sit down with a guy who was on his own at a table, and I claimed that there was no other tables, there probably was, I probably lied, that's not the ideal way. But anyway, um, I started a conversation. I said, How are you? Where are you from? What do you think of Jesus? No, I didn't say that. But by the end of our conversation, this guy, he'd almost converted me. He was a a person of faith, he was a Christian, and uh, he'd done a much better job at bringing the conversation around to Jesus than I did. George Verwer, who was the founder of Operation Mobilization, said this. He said, most Christians don't need a calling. They need to kick up the pants. (laughs) I needed the kick up the pants from this guy who shared faith with me to realise that being able to go out and be Christ in the community didn't need an eloquently thought out process. It didn't, it didn't mean me to have a set amount of words that I could say scripted out. It involved me being like Christ, being willing to just speak about my faith journey when the time came to do so. Jesus wants this for all of our lives. He wants us to be his representatives, whether we preach, speak, and gossip the gospel to our neighbors. The principle is the same. We are his witnesses. This is what Jesus was calling this group of 12 to, to be his witnesses. You know, one area of Connect Groups that I'd love to see developed is the area where that groups become effective witnesses to the communities around them. Imagine if a neighbour of someone in your group needed a hand and the whole group came around and made light work of what might have been a tough job for one or two. Imagine the conversation starters that would bring. Imagine the ongoing relationship with that neighbour and the witness that neighbour would see. You see, being a witness means to be like Christ in our community and preach. Sometimes that means using our words, sharing our testimony, explaining why we believe what we believe through action and word. The third part of the plan was for this smaller group um, to have all authority and to drive out demons. That was the third part of Jesus' plan. Jesus gave his disciples supernatural power to do an impossible job. Jesus knew that in their own strength that they would fail. They needed supernatural help to do the supernatural work. Likewise, Jesus has given every believer, you and I, supernatural help to complete this work that he's still got in store for us. Acts 1 verse 8 tells us, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You are equipped to be witnesses, equipped to pray for miracles, equipped to have faith that can move mountains. Because we're not living in our own strength. Jesus, He called the disciples to Him. He knew that together with the Holy Spirit, they would do great things, not in their own name or in their own power, but in Jesus' name through the power of the Holy Spirit. Everyone loves the old scale electric cars, don't they? You know, the ones where you've got the track with the little metal strips on them and the The brush things coming out of the the metal brush things coming out of the the bottom of the cars, and when you when they sort of go funny, you start to twist them, and then you poke one in your finger, and it hurts for a little bit, and then you you chuck them on the on the track, and and the track the um the metal bit of the track hits the metal bit of the car, and they form this electric closed electric group um uh, sort of loop that powers the little car. See, for the car to work, they must be in continual contact with the metal part of the track. When the car goes flying off, because the reality is everyone had a lead finger when it came to straight out scale electrics and you just pushed it down and even though the corner was coming that would never get around, you just kept it going and just fly off. But when it didn't come into contact with the metal, it would no longer work because the contact with the power source had been disrupted. You know, having the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives means that we're living on this contact principle. We have continual contact with Jesus. We can live as Sky Electric cars that always stay on the track. Keep the contact with God strong every single day. Get your routines going, the the daily rhythm of faith going. But connect groups are a good way midweek for us to to keep that contact strong as well. You might have sorted out this daily rhythm. You might do the daily office two or three times a day now. That's fantastic. But when we're bumping into each other alongside in a small group of people doing exactly the same thing, following Jesus, staying on the scale-electric track of faith, the stories of what God is going to do is going to explode. Disciples of Christ in this world, just as these initial 12 were used in a new way, a way that follows the life and teaching of Jesus. It's going to be continued, not just for our generation, but for generation after generation as we are disciples who disciple other disciples into faith and life. Jesus, he got the 12 together, not just to have an enjoyable time sipping tea and having a laugh and thinking a little bit about God. No, Jesus got the 12 together because he wanted them to make a difference in the world. You know, I'd love to see our connect groups at KSBC be world changers within their sphere of influence and beyond. And as a church, it can be easy for us to to pass the influence card to a few others. That's not my ideal, Pete. I I can't be an influencer. We pass it on to those who serve at Playgroup and into our community there. We pass the the card on to Richie Gordon, or for for Alan, who's here this morning as they minister in schools as chaplains, making a decisive impact they certainly do in the lives of kids, and they do such an incredible job, and we need them. But you have as much influence. See, when we move from a crowd mentality to a, a core mentality, it's then that we will hear stories of what God's doing in the lives of individuals and how they're making a difference. When we move towards connect groups that serve together in the church or in their community, we're going to hear how they're preaching up a storm of influence together. When we move towards groups being a key part of who we are, we're going to see disciples getting out of their comfort zones, being challenged by the faith of others, being challenged to step out in faith and share their story. We're going to see spiritual growth. We're going to see service. We're going to see deepening relationships. We're going to see an excitement that comes from being part of a connected group of people connected to Jesus. You see, connect groups, they're a place where we can pray together. We can be be with Jesus and and others who are with Jesus, where we can help one another to be preachers in our world that needs this good news message, especially at this time, and that we're sent out into workplaces, schools, communities, full of the power of the Holy Spirit, knowing there's a group of people behind us saying, you can do it as well the closing point of the the passage from mark chapter 3 was that that the disciples are all named it was always a sunday school question wasn't it i didn't go to sunday school so i didn't know uh, i knew there were 12 but i didn't know their names but it's significant that the names are listed because firstly it gives an identity to the 12 they weren't just the 12 they weren't just 12 blokes that got together to be with Jesus. there were 12 that had an identity, that had a name. They were called to live together, to share together, to grow in love together. The plan was that these 12 would live with each other and for each other. It was a totally mixed group. It would appear that Jesus deliberately chose the opposite of those who sought to see him for, which was the Pharisees, for example. The, names, um, the name Pharisees refers to to the separated ones, those who separated themselves from people who looked different, who didn't uphold the law in the way that they did. Whereas Jesus, he brought these groups together, he was making a statement that can be found in the diversity of who he brought. Because Jesus, he called Matthew, who who was a tax collector, who would have been seen by the Jewish society, probably from the Pharisees, as traitors. They, they, They often skimmed the money off the top for their own gain. Simon, he was a zealot. The zealots were a band of nationalists who sought to overthrow the Roman Empire by force. These were a diverse group of people. The men Jesus chose chose had no special qualifications. They were not wealthy. They had no special social position. In fact, some of them were the lower of the the society. They had no special education. They were not trained theologians. They were not high-ranking churchmen. They were 12 ordinary men. But what made them extraordinary was that as they individually responded to Jesus, as they followed him as a band of brothers, these 12 men ended up building the church. In a Peanuts cartoon, um, Lucy demands that Linus change the TV channels, threatening him with a fist if he doesn't. And Linus says, what makes you think you can walk right in here and take over? And Lucy replies, these five fingers... Individually, they're nothing, but when I curl them together like this into a single unit, they form a weapon that is terrible to behold. <laughs> Linus replies, which channel do you want? <laughs> he turns away and he looks at his fingers and says, why can't you guys, why can't you guys get organized like that? <laughs> Being together in a group brings us so much more than when we're on our own. This year, we've been focusing upon the importance of individual discipleship for sure. We've looked at what it means to be a follower of Jesus and a follower of who he says he is. We, we looked at the I ams of, of Christ earlier in the year. We've just been through the emotionally healthy spirituality series, and that was really important for us to, to, to be whole life disciples, looking at everything from our, how our past shapes who we are now, looking at the walls that we put up, the hurts that we suppress. But the reality of our discipleship is that Jesus didn't call individuals to do this faith journey alone. He took a group of 12 ordinary men, no different really to you or I, and he walked with them. He loved them. He empowered them. And he sent them out on mission. It's something that we can do best if we too meet in smaller groups. We call them connect groups here. You might have been in churches that call them different things. It's hard to spur one another on when you're alone. It's hard to spur one another on when you're in a big crowd. It's hard to hear the needs for prayer when you're alone. It's hard to hear the needs for prayer when you're in a massive crowd. The voices can just get lost. Yet in a smaller group, you're known. And together, you can make an impact for Jesus and share that impact with the rest of the church and the world. So this morning, if you're in a group, I want to encourage you to stick with it. There's been groups in this church that have been meeting for many, many years and formed really close bonds together. It's fantastic. They've built lasting relationship with others in the group. They trust each other with their lives. They pray with each other and they help wherever needed. They spur one another to share faith and life. They help each other in the community. They're loving and kind. And I know sometimes when it, it's sometimes hard to be motivated to get to a small group. It might be cold outside. It might be wet as today and the next few days are going to be. And it's easier to stay at home. You have to stay at home at the moment anyway. But you start to make these excuses and go, "Oh, it's, you know, the dog needs a friend to be with or whatever excuse you make. But nurture the space of small groups. If you've been in one that has been amazing, you'll know what I'm talking about. Or if you're not in a, an explore group or have never been in a group, I'd, explore, I'd urge you to explore it. Explore getting into one. Get online our website and hit the connect group tab. We've got a, a few people over the past few weeks connect with us via that tab on the website. Um, I know that one says give, but if you go to the small group ones, you can as well. Um, If you've had a group in the past, you can fill out a form online and we can get onto you. If you had a group in the past and you haven't experienced all that we've been talking about today, I urge you to try it again. If your group has bombed in the past and you've gone, that didn't work at all, I'm not going to this, keep trying or try something new. Try a new group. Seek some other people out who you might think might be connecting well with you. We'd love to hear about some people that you want to join together with. Be ready to have an impact on one another's lives and on the lives of the people around you, just as Jesus and his 12 did. I want to see small groups in KSBC making a big influence for the kingdom here and beyond. Let's pray. Our Lord and God, we give you thanks and praise that you are good. That you have taught us that being in a group of of um, a smaller group of people can have a massive influence on the kingdom. That God, as as we gather in small groups through this church, I pray that you will um, bless those groups in major ways, that they might understand and continue to be connected with one another and with you. But they may also be sent into the world to preach and speak your word in and through Kilsai South, Melbourne, Victoria, Australia and to the ends of the earth. God, we pray that, um, that this morning if there are those that have never been in a group or have been in the group in the past but just haven't come to be in one now. That Lord, you'll convict them to get online on our website and go to that connect tab. And just fill in the form to say, yeah, I'd love to be a part of a group. And God, if if this is something that people want to do, Lord, may, um, may you build up the people to be in these groups together, that it may not just be for a day or a week or a couple of months, but they may build into lasting relationships that prove to change their sphere of influence that goes on to change the world. We thank you, Lord, for your word.